because we didn't actually have a relationship, you know, if you had like a crush on someone, it always felt like infatuation and it always felt like in your head, of course, perfect because we didn't go through hell together, right? I mean, if you don't have a relationship with someone, you can imagine it be whatever you can imagine it to be. So on one hand, I just realized that I was just creating this out of a little bit of thin air. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Okay, please welcome our guest on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money. We are back with Dr. Faryal Michaud. Some of you may remember her from my inaugural podcast launch. She is the palliative care physician and blogger who recently launched her podcast, Write Your Last Chapter, and has a growing and respected following in her Facebook group, Physicians Living Intentionally. She is a loving wife to a radiation oncologist and strong mother to two brave teenage girls and is joining us again today from Honolulu, Hawaii. Welcome, Faryal. <laughs> we are so excited to talk to you today. Oh, thank you, Kate. I feel so happy to be here. My girls absolutely love you. You're like a little celebrity to them. Oh my gosh, we're gonna, I'm gonna have to meet him someday when, when I go to Hawaii because you know, we all really just wanna be in Hawaii right now. So, okay, so first, let's just start out by you telling us about your three. Yeah, so this is wonderful. And this makes a reference to a um, Facebook post or a blog uh, comment that I brought up. This, for your listeners that don't know about the three, and I'm so glad you bring that up, is that. I learned this in my training and a psychiatrist was mentioning that every time you meet someone in your mind, you try to put it somewhere in your brain. So you see a person walking, it could be a runner, it could be a walker, it could be anything they're doing. You sort of identify people and you make that particular identification as a way that you judge them, as the way you treat them. So the purpose of this exercise was to pause and think if you were to describe yourself in three words, what would those three words be? And so what was very interesting is that everybody wrote it down and we went around the room and people were writing things down and we all realized that's not how we would have seen that particular person. And another purpose of this exercise was your three change depending on where you are in your life. And so today, my threes, if I had to think who I am, I would say the first one would be that I am a healer. And I think that is a broader term than just being a physician, right? I'm a healer when my children have a little boo-boo sitting next to them. I'm a healer when my neighbor has had a bad day. But also an extension of being a physician and holding space for people around me. The second thing that I am is that I am a sister. I'm extremely close to my sister who's seven years older than me. And she's kind of like a mother. But 
being a sister has taught me ultimately to be so supportive of other women and what we all go through. And of course, being a mother is my third. And that's funny, if you saw me, you may have total different impression of my threes. So what would you think of your threes? <laughs> that is a great question. You know what? I have not... Um... Oh, I, I need, I'm going to have to sit down and, and do that. But if anybody else would like to pause this podcast and write down their three, that that's perfect. And also, like because this podcast is about marriage, have you sat down and done this with your husband? And, and do you know his three? And is it different than what your three for him would be? That is such a great scene. You put, I put you on the spot and you put me right back on the spot. You're an excellent interviewer. I have not asked him. Actually, this is a wonderful, wonderful exercise, but I, I, I'd be very quick to tell you his three. I think that he sees himself as a windsurfer. Windsurfing is his passion. And actually, when he first, he was the last person to have a Facebook page, but when he did it, you know how they say, you know, where did you go to school? What did you study? Where were you born? Like when you have to describe yourself, everything he said, windsurfing, 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 windsurfing. So that is his passion. And that's probably why we're in Hawaii to begin with. And I would say that he probably, being a father is going to be in his top three and maybe being a husband as well, but I don't know. And, you know, when I first did it, being a wife made it to top three, but I feel that that is such a part of my identity that I don't even have to write it down. Okay, you're yes, you are innately a wife. I was I I wonder the same thing because you know how like people have on their Facebook or Instagram or your like just a very short blurb of who they are or their TikTok TikTok or whatever. You know, people often do you know doctor, wife, mother, sister. And it's like, how do you choose? Like, when do you leave? I mean, everybody's a daughter, right? Like, and <laughs> so, yeah, how do you choose? Just three, it's so hard. But I guess that's already one of the innate things. So I'll do that with Victor and we'll come up with our three and our audience members will do that with their with their spouses tonight. That would be wonderful. Okay, so tell us, so tell us a little bit about more about your spouse, um, Dr. Anthony Michaud. Tell us about the first time you guys met. You know, was it love at first sight? Was he, were you windsurfing? You know, my story is unbelievable. You just cannot believe. So I went to um, Eastern Washington University for undergrad and so did my husband. And we, most people who go to Eastern Washington University, it's a small public university in Cheney, which is away from Spokane. Most people park their car in Spokane and drive like those long extended buses that the back kind of swings. And we, my husband and I used to be in the very last portion where it's like a C shape. So you could see each other. I remember seeing my husband reading. He's an avid reader and he was just reading and just made a mental note of him. And he had a very cool backpack that kind of looked like a military backpack. So I just noticed him. There was no knowing each other, talking to each other. Now, years later, I was a TA in an organic chemistry lab. And he happened to be a TA at an organic chemistry lab. And then I put the two and two together that this is that guy that I thought was so cute. Oh, you knew him. Yeah, well, I just like recognized him because he was always reading and he was so quiet. And I'm sort of drawn to people like that. 
because I'm an extrovert and he's kind of an introvert. And um, so anyway, so then, so it was kind of very bizarre because we totally had a crush on each other. It was love at first sight. And it really was love at first sight. But there was a little bit of a situation where I actually had a long distance relationship with someone who was in medical school in Philadelphia at the time. Okay. You were in university? I was an undergrad. We were both in undergrad, but we were upper level. So we were TA organic chemistry lab. So what was happening is that we definitely, there was a connection. We really enjoyed each other's company, but sort of didn't go very far. It sort of fizzled out. And and then our lives kind of was separate. So that was in 19, um, that was in 1995. And then we sort of separated. I moved to Philadelphia and he went to Cornell. I actually started going the direction of wanting to pursue medical school. And he went to um, get his uh, PhD uh, in analytical physical chemistry. So then we were not in like we were not together and years later when I finished medical school and he finished his PhD at Cornell and I was doing my residency in Arizona and he was doing postdoc in Vancouver nine years later we sort of reconnected and I had ended my relationship with somebody he had ended his relationship with somebody and then I went and just see him in Vancouver I had never been to Vancouver and literally that one weekend that we reconnected after nine years he decided he wanted to move to Arizona to just give it another try oh my okay so had you kept in contact with him not really. I would just say, like, what happened, I think, in 2001, his father uh, was diagnosed with lung cancer. So, like, we had our old email address. And, you know, this is like, we were not really emailing. This is 1995, right? Um, so, really, we were not in touch. I, I remember two different times that I actually reconnected with him just serendipitously. But he sort of reached out to me because his father was getting, I think it was an experimental chemotherapy and he wanted to ask me about it so that was in 2001 so no we were not really in touch no so he wanted to ask you about it because he knew I was in medical school I mean I think he knew because when we parted he sort we sort of understood this person like I knew he was at Cornell like he knew you know I was going to medical school but I, it wasn't like we never we didn't weren't seeing each other we hadn't seen each other for like nine years literally Wow. Well, you will not believe Victor and I have a very similar story. I want to hear it. This is <laughs> I never, okay. So yeah, well, I haven't really shared this on um, our podcast yet, but a very similar like outline because ours wasn't nine years. Ours was about like four years, but like very similar situation. Like we met first day of very first day of internship. We were at the internship picnic right before in the middle of orientation, like right before we were or orienting. And, um, and I saw him at the picnic and I wanted him to come sit down next to me, but he didn't, he sat down like on the other side of one of the girls I was sitting next to. It was um, only me and one other girl in our radiology residency. But since he did Radonc, they did the same TY year as us because it was a, like an integrated, a categorical program. So he was sitting there, I kept looking at him. And then we were like, we ended up walking together to like 
go get our urine tested for drugs or whatever they do on orientation. And we started talking and he's like, so are you a medicine resident? I'm like, no, I'm radiology. And he's like, oh. And so, I don't know. I just, there was something about him, right? And and he, and I think he kind of instantly knew too. And then I think one of our first things we did together is we went uh, salsa dancing and, and he can salsa dance. And so I did, I fell in love with them, but I was in a long-term relationship too, right? So same thing as you, it kind of fizzled out. Like I, I felt drawn, I felt connected, but you know, I was in a relationship and I was, you know, raised a Catholic girl. And, you know, so I had that guilt and I was like, well, that's not, it's not meant to be right. So we continued on our separate ways. We still were friends for years, but, um, and because we were in the same residency group. Um, but yeah, it, it took, another few relationships for each of us. And then that's like that same thing that happened to you and Anthony, like you're each going through your own breakups. You reconnect that one weekend and it's like, oh my God, what have I been doing for the last four years? Like I, I miss, I miss the bus. I mean, you two were on the bus. I miss the bus. I'm like, I, I remember crying myself to sleep, like thinking, what did I do? But you know what? I guess it was perfect. Right. You know, it's so funny about crying yourself to sleep. So I remember I was in my previous relationship and I want to say that was not a bad, like toxic relationship. I just was not happy, you know, and I do remember talking to a friend of mine who's also a physician and, you know, I was saying that I could not imagine ending a relationship, having a very similar traditional upbringing, you know, I couldn't imagine leaving a relationship unless there was abuse or like, cheating or I felt like they had to be something just blatantly wrong for you to give yourself permission to get out. And I remember my friend saying, what about if you're not happy? And he was like, a light bulb, I swear, there was like a light bulb went out in my head. I'm like, I had never thought to give myself permission to be happy. And I remember, and this is sad because you're saying about crying. I remember in my old relationship, I specifically remember I used to cry, not every night, but I do remember specifically when I had an episode where I was crying thinking, is this my happily ever after? Like, how did I end up here? And so it, because the relationship was not bad, because he was a good friend and it was really a cordial relationship, ending it was difficult. But giving myself permission to move on, I could not be happier because, again, going back to the first snippet you had in the intro is that we being on the same page is not a difficult thing. Our relationship day to day is not a constant struggle of what is he thinking? Is he going to be on board? Is he not? I am 100% supportive of him. He's 100% supportive of me. And I think what's important for the listeners is that, you know, I truly believe if you're in a bad relationship, there is something better out there. And if you know your worth, you could sort of stand your ground and fight for something that's much more meaningful and encompassing. So how, yeah, how, for the people who may feel like that out there, like, I guess, how do you know? I mean, was there a sign or how did you, was it that friend who you know, asked you that question? You know, it's very funny because there's two specific things that stand out in my mind. One is that I actually was in a car accident when I was in medical school. 
And I remember it was just icy. I went to school, Michigan State University, and it was icy. And I kind of, you know, I was on cruise control. And you know, when you hydroplane on ice kind of feels like out of control. So I actually slammed on the brake and the brake didn't really make connection to the, you know, ground. And I sort of did the whole 360. Thankfully, I didn't hit anyone. I just, that's the only thing that was going through my mind that, oh my God, don't hit another car. And then I hit the median. And I remember at that time, Anthony, Anthony went through my mind. Wow. And, you know, I had not seen him for like, I don't know, four or five years at that time. And so when I actually told that to my previous relationship, he actually asked me, did you think about me? And I said, no. Wow. And you told him. Well, I mean, I was very honest with him. I mean, I think that, I think that, you know, it's very funny because it just always, so, so the one thing I will say two things about this. And one is because we didn't actually have a relationship, you know, if you had like a crush on someone, it always felt like infatuation and it always felt like in your head, of course, perfect because we didn't go through hell together, right? I mean, if you don't have a relationship with someone, you can imagine it be whatever you can imagine it to be. So on one hand, I just realized that I was just creating this out of a little bit of thin air, right? And also, I think at that time, we were both kind of like in a different place emotionally, like I was a little harder on the edge and more judgmental or more snappy. And he was more of a, I don't want to say insecure, but someone that was like, if I would be snappy at him, he would be like a turtle with his head going in. Okay. But when we got back together, I was much more soft, softened up around my edges. And then he was a lot more secure in his skin. So I feel like if we were to head it off when we met nine years earlier, it may have not worked out anyhow. Okay, it was perfect. It's all about the timing. And so what, um, how long have you guys been married again? We got married in 2005, so it's been 15 years. 15, 15 years, okay. So what kind of things do you do in your relationship? Like how intentional are you about your marriage? The things you do together? Yeah, so that's actually very good. It's funny you ask about intentional. That's like, I'm all about intentional. So we we wake up early together. We both morning people. And so like 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And we have the cup of coffee together. Every, he makes coffee for me every single day. You know, it's like, that's like a deal. And before the girls wake up and we usually watch something funny. It could be Trevor Noah or Stephen Colbert on our little iPad. So like, start with something funny always and um sort of talk about our day and I work part-time so I have more downtime than he does so then after that you know we usually you know go on our patio we have a beautiful view of the ocean where we live so try to sit outside enjoy just there's an awe everywhere around us and then so Monday to Fridays like that and then we try to go out for a walk or run Thursdays, he has a later start. So we try to either like today I would have if I didn't have this meeting, we would have done hiking or paddleboarding or something like that. Just something together, the two of us, the girls are old enough that they can be at home by themselves now. So we're intentional about that. The one thing, though, is about the windsurfing, because it's such a huge passion of his. In the beginning of the relationship, I sort of feel like he wanted me to windsurf with him. You know, he wanted me to. And it's like, I like to be by the beach. 
I like to paddleboard on the water. I don't want to like it falling and the wind, and it's actually quite technical, and I would not enjoy it. So it was very early on. I one of his um, one of his best friends said to me, "Sariel, you know you don't have to winter, right?" <laughs> and like that was the biggest permission because Anthony never said that to me, and I think he would love it if I windsurf with him. But I and and one day maybe I will. But I'm comfortable in my skin. I have my own thing. I have my hot yoga. I have my own running. I have my own things. And it's okay for him to do his own thing and get recharged and come back, right? Sometimes I go to the beach with him and I'm in a hammock and reading. Okay, that's perfect. I think so many people can relate to this, right? Because, I mean, we we can't all have we can't have the same exact hobbies as our husband or our wife or. You know, whoever we're in a relationship with, Victor, Victor's in mind. Yeah, I think we have a lot of similar interests, but definitely like, especially on, you know, uh, he loves Scrabble or board games, you know, oh my gosh. And he's super competitive, you know, and I can't spell worth a darn. Like, I don't know any words. I don't even know big words. I don't even know the two letter words. And I feel like I still, I'm looking for that permission, but until then I'll, occasionally try but you know it's it's definitely not a passion like your husband with the windsurfing victor's not going to be playing scrabble every night maybe he would if i wanted to play it with him that you can have your own set you can fill your cup up separately right and then come together what about during this global pandemic and i don't i'm not exactly sure how it affected hawaii because i'm not there but was it the, the same kind of shutdowns that happened there and and if so how were you able to maintain your connections with your spouse during during that time? So what happened is actually school was going to have a spring break and we were scheduled to go. I was supposed to, this is how crazy I tried to plan things. I was supposed to go to the White Coat Investor, fly back in the middle of the night, get here and fly to New Zealand with the family, same day. So, but what happened essentially is that obviously New Zealand, actually the same day we were supposed to go there, they had the quarantine where, you know, if you came, you would have had to stay there for two weeks. So, so we canceled that. So we stayed home, but you know, I'm going to be very honest with you. If you have to be quarantined anywhere, Hawaii is not the worst place to be quarantined. Exactly. Right. I mean, that, that's what I was thinking when I was asking the question, I'm like, you know what, you were in the perfect place. And you know, I have to say the truth of it is, about living intentionally. The activities that we do are outside most of the time, right? You're out in the ocean. So even though uh, I know in California, they had closed the beach, I don't think they could close the beach in Hawaii because it's such a integral part of their identity. Like they, people, there are people that go and fish every, like Hawaiian, you know, ancestry. They fish for their life. They can't close the beach. So beach was never closed, right? So my husband continued to windsurf. That never changed. I continued to run. That didn't change. And actually, I was training for a 50-mile race that obviously was canceled, but you could do it virtually. So I was running 30 miles at that time. So, Oh, more than a marathon. <laughs> yes, yes. So what happened at that time is our lives weren't changed. So what we didn't get to do, we didn't get to travel. We okay. stayed home and the kids didn't get a chance to have play dates with friends. But then we did hiking outside, you know, with a mask on. 
and mm-hmm. we did more beach things and we did cranium at home with the kids our kids are a little older than yours so they they really are competitive game players essentially you know our lives eat out very rarely i mean we eat out for special occasions and i cook almost every day so it's like we play outside and eat inside our lives really didn't change at all now i um the only thing that did change i'm a palliative care physician i do only inpatient care and my husband does radiation oncology. So I think we just changed our patient interaction that we do a lot more virtual, even though it's in the hospital, less one-on-one. Um, and, you know, wearing scrubs to work and wash things when you come through. The, so other than that, I don't think our lives changed at all, really. Got it. Okay. So yeah, it didn't really affect your marriage. Like it may affect people who live in this big city, right? Who can't go out on date nights or to that kind of thing. Okay. Well, okay. And do you have any suggestions for couples out there who may be struggling? Like say they, cause I know we've already talked about if you, if you don't want to, if you maybe don't want to stay in your relationship, although, you know, there's no abuse or nothing really wrong with it, but what if somebody's struggling to get that spark back and, you know, maybe, maybe they're not being as intentional with their thoughts or having date nights or having these things. And they just kind of feel stuck. Like, like they're living with their roommate. Any suggestions for somebody like that who wants to get the, the spark back? So I want to share with you, I'm so glad you bring this question up. I want to share with you an experience that I had. So in my previous relationship, we actually went to counseling one session and the very first counseling session, the lady said from zero to 10, I want you to write down how happy you are with this relationship. And I remember that I wrote, two and he wrote eight so here's my point and and i remember the counselor making a comment about that that this relationship is not going to succeed because i think when you're saying are there suggestions that you can make things better you have to both believe that you need to make it better you cannot cheerlead somebody else that doesn't need cheerleading or feels like things are well. I think to begin with, you both have to come to the very minimal. You both have to agree that, hey, listen, this is not ideal. We need more time with each other. How do we go about it? And you both come with a suggestion. Because I think if you say, I'm not happy, you don't take me out on a date, I don't feel special, we don't have this spark, what are you gonna do? I think it's gonna A, come across as nagging, and B, if the other person is totally cool with it, is gonna be like, what do you mean? So I think the very minimal, just see where the, you know, gap is, and whether the other person sees it. And if they don't see it, maybe explore that. Instead of, you know, we talk about A-line coaching, right? Instead of come up with, hey, let's make Wednesdays, we're going to go to this five-star restaurant. Well, if you are two and the other person is eight, the other person doesn't care that you spend $300 in a nice restaurant. And then for you, it's not going to do much. It's going to take you from two to three. So I think my question, my, my suggestion to what would people do to bring the spark back is put both people at the table, see if both parties feel like there needs to be a change. And have everyone has an input. I love it. Kind of like just getting on the same page, like you said at the beginning. 
Exactly. Two and eight, not on the same page. Not on the same page. And speaking of that, how did you get on this same page with Anthony in regards to finances? Because that's another big one, right? Yes. And I think that's something that in this situation, it's very important to talk about because my husband does not know anything about finances. You know, I am, I have a personal interest. I, I really have a personal interest. I want to learn. Uh, I'm curious. And, and he's a science guy. He's curious. Like if you look at his feed on his phone, it's all about NASA and it's all about space. And mine is all about the new laws on 401k. We have our own interests and it's, for him, it hasn't been, and actually, there was a period of time, like about a year, that we actually hired a financial advisor. And the only reason we hired a financial advisor, I thought if he was in, if my husband sat next to me in those calls, he would sort of pick up some things just like, or maybe strike an interest. And then it didn't work out that way. And I thought, you know what? It's okay. I can do everything. And then I have taught him, like, I remember every time I would fly to my sisters and my girls, I would text them the login and information for all the finance stuff. Because I'm like, if we crash and die, he has no idea where anything is. Oh, that's very important. So your sisters know. My sister and now my husband actually has, we have everything done. Like we have all the documents done to a point. And if I die, he's going to hire a financial advisor. He's not a person who intuitively would know how to go about that. And that's okay. That's so he's busy treating patients. And I mean, you're doing it for him. So you're setting up him for success and you're on the same page, right? Like he's letting you do that. And then what about in, in terms of like saving and investing? Does he let you do that too? make those choices? 100% me. And you know, sometimes I'm just like letting him know. He says, he tells me he's like, I just got an email from you know, Vanguard and the transaction went went through whatever that was. Good job. Like, and you know, I sort of feel like I want to let him know. I'm like, just letting you know a percentage of this is going to this. And he's like, sounds good to me. I mean, I mean, I think that the plan, the plan for us, you know, the plan for us is for him to cut back at work right now. He's hundred percent and he cannot cut back because um, of the number of people in his group. So the very immediate plan, as soon as possible, I would like him to have a week off at work. Because I am, per month, I'm in palliative care. I have been 0.8. I was 0.8 for the longest time. And then I'm 0.5 now. And, and you know, I don't want to retire. I mean, I think financially, we're in a very comfortable spot. We're not struggling. We don't have any debt. And we've been in a comfortable spot for some time. And we're not really extravagant people, right? I mean, the only extravagance is like traveling. And that's like non-negotiable. We both love traveling. And, but I will say, you know, it's funny that you say that because I think that because I'm a palliative care physician, it's like, I don't want to save our better days for a future that may never come. I don't want him to work, 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 work until blah, blah, blah. I want him to stop or slow down working today. So as soon as that becomes an option for us, both of us are going to be like part-time people doing the work we love because we want to, not because we have to. So because he knows that's on my radar, he lets me handle all the finances. Okay. And it doesn't sound like you two are overspenders either. 
I mean, you go on vacations, but you're not you're not a big overspender as otherwise. No, I mean, I think that I, I mean, I think I I was following Mr. Money Mustache a long time ago, and and you know, white coat investor, live like a resident, and all that jazz. And honestly, we probably save close to seventy percent of our income. And oh my, okay, that's perfect. That's amazing. Seventy percent, yeah. Because a lot of physicians don't, right? I mean, even though we get big paychecks, some of us are still living paycheck to paycheck, pay off the big mortgage or the boat or the you know luxury cars, that kind of thing. So yeah, very smart. You live. You say you save. You save and invest seventy percent. Yeah, and you know what was very helpful actually. Physician philosopher had a little uh, blog or somewhere blog post that I read in White Coat Investor, and he talks about this ten percent fund money. And because I am so much of a, I mean, I, I I'm a like a super saver, right? So at the same time, when you're that way, it's like my husband wants to buy a windsurfing board, and it's like two three thousand dollars, and I sort of want to be like, what? Like, and, and, you know, it's okay. I mean, considering he's a radiation oncologist, that's like nothing. Right. But I think because I am very much like, really, you want to, you all have like my husband has, I don't know, honestly, has 12, 15 boards. I don't know how many boards he has, but he has a ton of them, but he wants to buy it. So I don't like that. I'm like, I want him to, I mean, what's the point, right? I mean, I don't want to be saving so much that it, you don't enjoy it. Like I, I always joke that you don't want to be the richest man in the graveyard. I mean, I think that 10% is a very good number. So I actually, we kind of carve out 10% of our money to this kind of fun little account that anytime he wants something, the money goes out. I don't, you know, there's always surplus in there. He doesn't always use it. But when you use it, there's no, really, do you want that? It's like, okay, it's 10%. It's good. So that permission is kind of nice. Having that a little bit of allowance your your fun money that that's enough to make you happy then then do it right and that's really it's not that much if you're saving 70 percent. i mean so okay what would you say is the smartest financial decision you've ever made in your life marrying my husband marrying your husband i love it that is the perfect answer you know victor was on a podcast once um money in the morning with stacking benjamins if i don't know if you follow him or stacking with Joe Salcihai, he has his, he has a different podcast called Stacking Benjamins. And then he has a, a, another one, Money in the Morning. He asked Victor that, and I was listening to it. And that was exactly Victor's answer. Marrying his wife. I was like blown away. Your husband's going to love it. Oh, but you know, but you know, what's funny is that he's in a position right now that he actually makes a lot of money. But you know, when I married him, when I married him, he was a tech and and he was making less than I was making as a resident. So when I say it was a financially good decision to marry him, it's regardless of how much money he's making today, because we're on the same page, you know, because we are on the same page, all the peace of mind that comes with being someone who you are in the same boat together, directed at the same place, no adversarialness of it, no say, you know, no bickering. And so I think that is why it matters, not because where we are today. No, exactly. They, yeah. For listeners out there, it's not, it wasn't our, our, our smartest financial decision was not marrying our spouse because of his salary. It was marrying our spouse because of how intentional they are with regards to saving, spending, and investing. 
I think that's key. Or if they're not, like, I don't think my husband had enough money to save or invest, right? But I feel like because he's sort of, we're on the same page, if I say, hey, this is my plan, he's not going to say, well, I don't know. Now that I'm making this much money, I don't know if I want to do that. He wants us to get along. He wants us to have a future that includes both of us being happy and both of us want to be supported. I mean, you and I know that we're doing something that's separate from what we're doing in our life. And he's 100% supportive of me doing it. That alone, to me, is priceless. Exactly. Priceless. Can't put a number on it, right? Well, okay. Is there anything else you want to, any other questions you want me to ask you? Anything else you want to add about, you know what? Your morning routine. You wake up at 4.30 or 5. What time do you go to sleep? So I cannot stay awake after 9.30. Like I used to, I did not used to be a morning person. Actually, I was one of those people who would like read till 12 or 1 or, and then could barely wake up. When we moved to Hawaii, you know, especially there's just, there's something about people get up really early. Everybody like if you're at five o'clock, you're having a cup of coffee. People are done with their morning walk. Just because it also gets dark quickly, there's not... I mean, there's not a nightlife. And now that I have like kids, I, I don't do any of that. But when I was in Arizona, because that's where I did my um, yeah, residency, we, I was going out all the time. You know, the life was very different. But my husband has always naturally like wakes up early. So I wake up really early without an alarm clock. And I just love that time. I journal. I plan out my day. I put away dishes. I light a candle. I have like, you know, the only time that people are not like needing my attention for anything, right? So I can't get that here at the end of the day. I mean, I can't get that any other time of the day. So it sort of became this fulfilling prophecy that if I want that time, if I enjoy that time, I have to carve out that time. And it just naturally serendipitously became really early. I, I love that. I, I'm trying to try and do that in my life. I find it very hard to get out of bed before seven or eight, depending on if I have to go into work um, at seven or eight, but you're inspiring me far y'all. Well, I am inspired by you. I have to tell you, I'm very inspired by you. Like, yeah, let, let's talk about your, your Facebook group for a second, living physicians, living intentionally. It, it, it's going wild. Like the people have, who are joining are actually, I mean, other people are commenting all the time, posting pictures of beautiful flowers and scenery. And I feel like, I guess there's been a void in that, in our lives. You've have like filled this void. You know, it's so true. I feel like, I think part of it is because in the time of COVID, you know, we are isolated more than we're isolated. We're working in more bizarre condition. We're constantly in this adversarial. Our loved ones are, there are people that are in community saying, should you wear a mask? Should you not wear a mask? I feel like we go to Facebook. I certainly am on Facebook way more than I was before COVID. And I feel like there's so much polarization. There's so much people unfollowing each other because of the political or mask statement. I mean, everything, there's a lot of bitterness. And so I sort of feel like we all need that moment of pause to the point of really enjoying our lives, like really smelling the flowers, really just be in awe of what's in front of us. So somebody suggested I start this group and I'm 
you know, initially was like, I don't know, I don't even know the rules. I don't know what if people start, people are like, what if, you know, you have to set very strict rules. And, you know, I didn't really, I just, my rules are like, be respectful, be kind, be intentional. And I, and I have like this terminology, like this is kind of a sacred place, like take your shoes off when you come in. And I want people to have a virtual space of calm, collectedness, something that re-energizes you. And at the end, you don't feel all that negativity that just is like landing on our head. I think I'm intentional about my own life that way. I think part of it is because it's hard what I do. My patients are dying. And yeah, I still think there was a need, right? Because I was feeling it myself. So putting it out there, and it's really, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't advertised it anywhere, but pe- it's a word of mouth. So if you have a friend, you can join. And people are adding like friends by 50 and 70. People are like, I don't know how I found this group. I don't know how I found you, Paul, but thank you so much. It's very sweet. And people literally are saying like, thank you for starting this group. I mean, this really touches my heart because it, it's a pleasure. And it's not for me writing those things that I'm writing. It's not difficult. It's not time consuming. It's not st- point of stress at all. Um, so yeah, it's wonderful. That's amazing. Well, I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, especially because we know you could be hiking in Hawaii right now with your husband. So I appreciate that very much. Well, this is an intentional thing and I love being part of this and I love what you're doing because I think that, you know, human connections and human relationships at the end matters. And when I see people at the end of their life, you know, nobody says what they did for a living. Nobody talks about how much money they had, but you see people loving their spouses and people that are together. I think that the only, you know, people say like, you know, time is the mo- your most valuable asset and it is your most valuable asset, but you know, so is your relationship. So what you're doing right now is trying to focus on the importance of the relationship that we have with our ma- with our marriage and obviously so much more complex with medicine. So I think what you're doing is valuable. So I do not feel one second that my time here with you was any less precious than hiking in Hawaii. Oh, thank you, Farial. I cannot wait to come visit you. Thank you so much for coming. Yay, thanks so much, Farial. I'm so honored to have her on. So my take-home points from Farial. Number one. Why the smartest financial decision you ever make in your life could potentially be marrying your spouse and not for the superficial reasons like income, but because at the end of the day, it is not the income that determines your wealth or happiness. It is how much you can save and invest in order to reach financial freedom. Because once you reach financial freedom, you also gain freedom of time, geography, purpose, and relationships. And I could do a whole nother episode just on that. So I will just skip ahead and reiterate that if you marry someone you can jump on the same financial page with or whose financial goals align with your own in terms of saving, investing, and spending, then you may possibly reach financial freedom together faster. And why the smartest decision you may ever make in your life could potentially be marrying your spouse. Number two, 
sometimes we may find our quote-unquote prince charming, but may not be in the right emotional state to be with them at that point in time. It may take a few months or maybe even a few years to gain experience, myelination, and wisdom beneath our belt. Before we know, before it clicks, before we realize, yes, this is who this is who I want to be with for the rest of my life. So if it's taking somebody else a little bit longer than you'd like it to, just remember, you know, maybe maybe their frontal lobe isn't quite as myelinated as yours yet. Number three, be intentional about spending quality time with your spouse. It doesn't need to be the same thing. It could be doing different things, but in the same room or in the same house. It could be doing different things in different states and you're on FaceTime. It could be intentionally watching something funny every day together, like Faryal and her hubby, just to make sure they exercise their smiles and their abdominal muscles. It could be playing competitive board games and being a good sport regardless if you win or lose, or going to the beach and one of you guys windsurfing and the other just sitting there reading your book and watching. And maybe someday you'll jump on the, the windsurfing board too, but doesn't have to be today. Number four, just for fun, I'm going to throw in a fourth take-home point because I love how far y'all has her threes. And and what are my partner's threes? What are your partner's threes? What are your threes? Well, I asked Victor just now as he was leaving and I was starting to record this (laughs) outro. And he's like, I'm not going to answer that. That's a trap. What if I say the wrong thing? So tell your spouse, this is not a trap. I kind of, I mean, maybe I just kind of surprised him with it. You know, it's just a fun exercise. It's not, it doesn't have to be anything profound, right? It's just like, hey, when you introduce yourself, what are the first three things you tell them? You know, my threes, number one, I'm a pediatric radiologist. Number two, I'm a girl mom. Number three, I'm a friend. And anyone else who really knows me knows that I never play by the rules and always come up with way more answers than there are spots for. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw in, I'm also creative, a sympath, a cheerleader, and a life coach. And uh, yeah, some of those are actually adjectives, right? Not nouns. So when Fargill first talked about the threes, I thought she was talking about adjectives. I was like, I don't know. It's just funny, right? Where your mind goes. I was thinking they were adjectives. When she started talking about being a mother and a sister and a healer, I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is a little bit easier. And then I come up with three for my hubby too, since he was not forthcoming with his own. He is a teacher, a father, and a physician. So go home. Do your threes, or maybe you have them. Maybe you have them already. What are your threes? What are the first things, first three things you tell somebody you are when you introduce yourself to a stranger? And what would your husband or your wife or your spouse, your partners, be? And that's it. Those are the four big take-home points from Far Y'all. I hope you guys walk away asking yourself, how can I intentionally incorporate time with my spouse into my daily schedule? That's a recurring question, if you guys haven't noticed. And am I giving myself permission to be happy in and outside of my relationship? Am I giving myself permission to recharge? Am I giving myself permission to walk away, take a break? And how can I 100% support my spouse and their interests, although they may not be the same as mine? And that's it. 
Thank you so much for listening. I so much appreciate all your support, your texts, your love, your reviews, your subscribes, and your shares. Please reach out to me. You guys know I'm in Life Coach School at medicinemarriageandmoney.com, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. I'm there. I'm here for you. I'm here to serve. I'm here to uh, coach whoever wants to be coached. I am in this for life. I am loving it. I coach about five people, if not more, a week, and I would love for you to come visit me. So thank you so much. Please feel free to go spread positivity, spread the messages you found here from Dr. Faryal Michaud. Spread your wings, fly away. So much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, you guys, Ariel's 15th wedding anniversary with her hubby was just like three or four days ago. So we have to wish her a big, happy 15-year anniversary. And you know what? They know they they we know they've known each other for longer than that. They've actually known each other for 25 years, um, and they never exchange gifts. They do special dinners or something active together, like on their 10th wedding anniversary, they ran 10 miles. So maybe now they'll do 15 miles. Okay, so happy anniversary, party, y'all.